What's up, boys? I hope you are having an incredible day. Just a reminder that we drop every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can listen to our podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. This episode of Bustin' with the Boys, the Boys, is presented by Barstool Sports. Is that the room? Is that the green light pod room, dude? Uh, it's my office, which happens to be green, because that's my favorite color. Is that why it was? The, is that why it's called the Green Light Pod? I mean, sort of. It's kind. It's because I didn't want to call it like the Chris Long Pod, and I just was like <laughs> the Chris yeah. Long Show. But also, like Green Light means like we'll talk about whatever. So, um, you know, there's a little is bit. Is that of what that. that means? Is it like a psychology thing? No, it's not a psychology thing. It's like. The way I looked at it is, you know, pick um, an ambiguous name because I don't want to be like the third and long show. Like, I don't want to be, I want something that people are like, why is it called that? I would rather do that than just be really like dorky and overt with my shit, like a football. No, ball. that's smart. Yeah. So right, be- right before this, right before we got on here, yeah. this dude Taylor hits the group chat and says, my power's out. Hey, the power's out? Yeah, he said his power went out. He FaceTimes me. He's like, eh, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Something with my power. Like, it's, like, flickering. So last 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 week in Nashville, like, over 100,000 people were without power. because we Was that because of, like, a tornado? No. the to- So it's crazy because Nashville. Look at your whiteboard. Enduring it. Dude. You like that? Nashville's been enduring it, dude. Like, two months ago yeah. was, like, a tornado, um, which hit us pretty bad. Obviously, the pandemic. But last week there was a, just a thunderstorm and it took out over a hundred thousand people with power. He Sorry. was part of it, but everything got figured out. But I guess today I, I don't. Well, I'm I'm good. If you need me to come back in a couple of minutes, that's fine. And if you need me to uh, wait around or you want to, like, I don't care. I'm I'm like, dude, totally- I, we're chatting. I'm, I'm, while I'm running this thing, I told Taylor, I was like, hopefully your power comes on because then you can just you crash, can join. Yeah, crash yeah. in the pod. You just tell Taylor. You can tell Taylor. Just fucking hates me. That's all. I'm gonna get into your chalk. I'm gonna get into all your chalk yeah, endeavors because I'm super curious about all that stuff. Yeah, it's um, interesting going it alone. Yeah, dude, I bet I can only imagine. Like I do the stuff. I feel like on my own sometimes. Shout out Taylor. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but it's different. It's a it's a weird vibe because no one you know cares about it like you do, and you, you gotta realize. kind of find all these pivots on your own. Like, oh, I'm no one's coming to save me. Like mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. Yeah. It's not like you can work harder and make people care what you're saying. You either just kind of have to slowly build up an audience or not. Yeah, no doubt. No. I was listening to your um, green light pod. For those that don't know, Chris Long has a phenomenal podcast. He runs it way better than any athlete has out there. It's called the green light oh, podcast. You. you can go and subscribe to it. Um, I was listening to your most recent one. And uh, I was telling you earlier how all the topics I had of like, oh, let's talk about the last dance because, you know, everybody's so intrigued with with Michael Jordan and uh, an athlete, his mindset, an athlete's mindset. And some stuff you kind of watch and you kind of sit back and see everybody tweeting and talking about it. And they're talking like it's some anomaly that somebody thinks that way or is that competitive. Right. And I was talking with my strength coach earlier and it's just like, yo, everybody there's so many athletes who are like competitive in that nature. Like we were playing spike ball last Saturday and Taylor and I were ready to like hit each other, take each other out. Like a salt kind of arguing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yo, I'm going to run through you. And it's like, all right, well, I hope you do it. And I'm thinking in my mind, like 
yo, that's a big dude, but your prideful yeah. self's like, yeah, fuck <laughs> you, bro. Like, go ahead. But um, I find it so interesting because people think like that stuff doesn't necessarily happen and doesn't necessarily happen. And then they yeah. see it happen on the last dance. And then they're like, oh, that's why he's the greatest. It's like, yo, athletes. Are I, I think this exposes a lot of people's, and this is natural. Like if I was watching a police movie or like a movie about another profession where there's camaraderie, teamwork, obviously the stakes are different. I'm not comp- comparing football to yeah. law enforcement or the military, or any of that stuff. I'm not, but I am saying that like, you know, anytime there's an, an inside look at, um, you know, a, a documentary or a movie and there's outsiders looking at it, you know, they're going to take certain things that are unremarkable and make them big deals. Um, and I think with Jordan, to your point, it's not that he was so competitive that he would damn near kill to win. I think if anybody had a winning problem, it was Jordan, like a problem winner, like problem gamblers. He's a, like a problem winner. He's it's close to borderline of stars, at least that, that are well-documented. But to your point, there's a ton of guys who are really competitive, but they just weren't as good as Jordan. So it's not as well documented. And also like, it's easy to tell that story and we should hear it. It's awesome. Cause he's the goat to me, at least. Um, I don't know if he's the best player of all time, but there's two different conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Don't no, we're talking about the last dance where we can't use the L word right now. Cause yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to use it. I, I, I don't want to go L down word. that road because it's just so it's so pointless. Um, but like, I just think the the reason you get to see it, uh, and it's a real blessing that they had all this tape. Thank God for 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 the people that unearthed this stuff and that he agreed to do it because the pandemic it has saved us from a sports fan no perspective. Doubt. But like, I just don't think people understand. That there's plenty of guys who just aren't as good as him that are that competitive. Um, but he definitely was very competitive. And what the craziest part to me was not his just general competitiveness, but like his mot- self motivation style, like making shit up. The LeBradford James thing. Like he just made yeah. that up out of thin air. Like you're a little bit psychotic to do that. A little bit. Yeah. Especially over like, Hey, good game. Like that's psychotic. Yeah. Well, and then he made it up. Could you imagine somebody just saying, Hey, Chris, good game. And you're like, all right, motherfucker. Well, he like, made oh, it up. He I made know, it. That's all I'm saying. So, so he, so he, so, so like not only was it a lie, but it was also the fact that, you know, the lie was so innocuous to most people to be like, Hey, good game. What do you, what the fuck do you mean? Good game. Like, that's insane. I mean, it was like, uh, hey, he, hang on, hang on. What, what's innocuous? Like, this is a this is a real football player. Innocuous would be like, innocuous would be like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's just a, a comment in passing. Uh, unless I just butchered the word, you're making me second guess it. But <laughs> it's all right. I believe innocuous it right means now. not a big deal. So, like, it's fucking like somebody shook. How many times you've been told, "Hey, good game," even after somebody wore you out? Like, if a tackle blocked me all day and said, "Hey, nice game." Depending on the tone, it's probably not a big deal. But to Mike, he not only made that exchange up, but that was the exchange. And like, what's the point of telling people that if you're the one you're trying to motivate? <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's insane to me. And then, and then on top of that, it was like George Carl, it was BJ Armstrong, not George Carl. It was uh, yeah, it was George Carl pissed him off before the finals. Like all these guys, um, he found motivations to win. And like spin zone here if Jordan could do that every game, why didn't he do it more? <laughs> Make up right. some shit and then just go off for 37 in the first half. No doubt. And they make, they make it the, the documentary paints the picture. So I guess I'm going to use the word cool because he's sitting there and they're talking about, it and he's like swinging this like bat and has a cigar, has stogie mm-hmm. in his mouth. You're kind of sitting there as an athlete, like, yo, these dudes got to do whatever they want back they were cool then. As fuck. I felt like anyway. I mean, not just that. I mean, you mentioned the stogie. I mean, he was talking about people ripping cigs uh, in the 80s, and that's absolutely true. It's true in the NFL. My pops told me about guys that used to, you know, be ripping heaters at halftime, and that was fairly fairly normal. 
I mean, it was just, it was just a different era, man. And like, I'm just really glad they had this footage because we didn't have this in-depth access and you could have this kind of in-depth access nowadays in 2020 for like the fourth corner on an NFL team because he has his own production company. And he's like, oh, I'm just working on my YouTube channel. Like, right, you know, the fourth corner on an NFL now. team has as much banked content as Jordan did back in the day. Right. But, you know, the difference is, and Jordan's agent talked about this, is like every time we use Jordan's name, his brand is diminished. So it's like, it's like inflation for his brand. So he saved it up and it's just like we were starved for it. But he controls the production process here. So like when he anchors this thing and under promises over delivers and he's like, people are going to hate me. He knows people are going to hate him. He knows people are going to like him. What he's comfortable sharing, he's going to he's going to share. I want to know what was in the tapes that he didn't let to the light of day. Yeah. That's what the fuck I want to know. Same, dude. Because you know those dudes who are carrying around the camera, they probably saw some shit and heard some stories that's like... Yeah, we're not yeah. going to be able to use that. Even the footage, I mean, like just vaulted. They had a separate room for it, I think. Uh, you know, and, and the only person who had like a key was Jordan. I don't know. I heard this. And, you know, how much in there was footage that he was just like, no, no, no. I want to know the stuff they argued over. The producer would be like probably, hey, man, we could use this. I promise this won't make you look bad, et cetera, et cetera. You're talking about one of the most brand conscious athletes of all time. And ironically, he protected his brand to elevate the brands of athletes is what he did by protecting Mm -hmm. his brand. And now guys can do everything like YouTube live, like look at how much shit. And this is the only time I'll use LeBron in this documentary, but look at LeBron's brand, which is really well done. um, And Mm -hmm. he focuses on a lot. Jordan put the same energy in, in it in a protective way. And he paved the way for guys like LeBron to just do whatever Every week, barbershop, IG Live, Taco Tuesday. Like, yeah, Jordan didn't yeah. do this stuff. There wasn't a medium for it. I don't know if he would have. But I honestly think getting to know him a little bit more through his documentary, he would have been just the same way. I think he'd be, like, protective brand, dude, honestly, now. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, because everybody who sat down to do these interviews, like, they're able to, you know, chop and take bits and pieces of them. But you're almost curious what conversations were really happening on the camera when they were asking about talking about his leadership style and if he was an asshole, because, you know, they can kind of show smirks and reactions and mm-hmm. maybe a couple sentences, but then you cut to something else. Yeah. That's why I think that there's some of this stuff, uh, damn near every player in this thing, that's a supporting actor, so to speak in this whole thing has come out with a little bit of embarrassment, got it dusted up a little bit by Jordan. You know, like he didn't really take a shot at Charles. He was like, he was mad. He was the MVP that year, but that's a pretty normal comment for somebody who's super competitive I think he you know he showed respect there he took a shot at Gary kind of laughed at him the glove last week and I thought like that was a little unfair because you know Gary did Jordan was more sporadic as far as the shooting percentage towards the end of that that series against the Sonics Um, and Gary did do a good job I mean that's like it's objectively true and for them to set Gary up like that they were probably leading Gary down the road of and you did a pretty good job against Michael you did it and Gary's starting to feel himself and he's he's interviewing like he's getting yeah. hyped because he's like yeah I, I shot Michael down a little bit he was like you know 30 percent shooting uh late in the series and then they lead him right into the trap and Jordan oh. knows exactly what he's going to say He's controlling the production. So I think it's a little bit unfair from that standpoint. Scotty probably got burned a little bit with saying, like, I would have done it over again because I think they probably took it out of context a little bit that he was saying, like, you know, like how some people say, even if I fuck up, I don't change anything in my life. I think that's what he meant, and he didn't really get it out well, and also they took it out of context. So it's tricky. If you're going to be in a Jordan documentary, uh, you're not going to be the hero. (laughs) 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. What, uh, what are your thoughts? Like, what was your, um, what was your thoughts on his leadership style? I know it, when I was listening to your pod, uh, there's yeah. a thousand different ways to skin a cat. So there's, yeah. everybody's trying to get a job done, which is when you've been on Super Bowl teams, you've been around all these different cultures. Like, what did you take away from the way guys were about his leadership style? I've been around great players, man. I've been around a lot of them. As you know, you probably have too. I'm very lucky to play with guys like Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, like Torrey Holt, Stephen Jackson. I'm going on a list of guys I think might be in the Hall of Fame. You played with Torrey Holt? Yep. Right. That's how old I am. Hey, let's go. That's a documentary. I, hey, I played with uh, I played with a few guys at the at the beginning of my career in St. Louis that make me look really old. Trent Green, Dante Hall, uh, oh Orlando Pace. How about trotting out? Uh, for for training camp and, and no, pissing right. Orlando Pace off trying to win in one on one pass rush and he's just toying with you. Um, I, I would say everybody has a different leadership style and the key is be you, man. Like like and for Jordan, I think that was very authentically him. That's what I like about him is he's unapologetically him. I don't think anything is a front with him. I don't think he's saying any of this to to you know get attention. Like this is just him and um, this fit him so. I think it's funny. Like we talk about him being hated. I don't hate him. I like him more because he's unapologetically an asshole. An asshole. You ask the guys that play with him. It depends on who you ask. I think like Wennington talked about him testing guys, like testing guys and seeing if they back down or not. You talked about the Kerr fight. Okay. The Wennington point that happens in the NFL all the time. The Kerr fight. How many fights have you seen in fucking practice? I've seen way oh, worse than yeah. Steve Kerr getting punched in the fucking eye. Um, <laughs> right. The Scott Burrell thing. Everybody was like, oh, that's so mean. He was calling Scott Burrell a hoe like 46 times. I've heard so much worse. That's your daily stretch line. By the way, I think he probably yeah. loves Scott Burrell. I think they hit the streets together. I think they gamble together, hung out. And I think that like people, that's what people don't understand. There aren't athletes and understand team dynamic. And I think every guy has a different dynamic. With their, with their teammates, relationships, and you got to do what fits your personality. That's the way I think about it. Um, and also, who's going to punch Jordan in the face? Everybody's like, Steve Kerr needs to punch Jordan in the face. You punch Jordan in the face, that's like hitting a quarterback in training camp and you're on, you know, rookie mini camp. Getting close to his arm and, yeah, all yeah, that like, stuff. You're on Spirit Airlines, motherfucker. You're out of here. So that's like, who, who who's going to take a swing at Jordan? Yo, on one time when I, when I was like a rookie, I was on practice squad and I almost blocked – on accident because you kind of get thrown right mm-hmm. into the punter and I almost take out the punter, which is like a huge no, you know what I mean? Cause you only got yeah. one punter on the team or in one. film. And uh, man, what was his name? Coach Burns, Keith Burns, uh-huh. man. And he's like, Hey, who's 46. And I, you know, I'm like, Oh man, he's like, Hey man, you going to fuck around and get a good player hurt. We're going to send your ass back home. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, know. exactly. That's, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, you know, a, a rookie threatened to uh, get bought a plane ticket home because they ran into or got close. Because I'm in a D-line room, and you know, right. you know, there's nobody that's grinding harder than rookie linemen with, oh, with bro, pads, yeah. without pads, and O-linemen throw rookie. You know, O-linemen get beat. They, they hip-toss people back into the quarterback. You know, guys instinctively, and I've done this before, you win a pass rush, you kind of hold your arm up to show you had the sack or you reach for the ball because that's kind of what you do. And young guys, they're just not that fucking smart. And they're extremely motivated and everybody has a practice speed. And if you're 10 year vet, you probably hate the rookie and vice versa. No uh, but yeah, I mean like you're not going to punch Jordan in the face. So I think it depends on who you ask. Like, you know, Phil Jackson and Tex winner, they were, they were the guys, the triangle offense guys um, in, you know, that, that took over in the early nineties. And, and if you ask Tex, he thought that Jordan, he said in a book, uh, 
he was quoted as saying that Jordan definitely rode his teammates too hard. Um, but then if you ask Phil Jackson, he said like that fight was a turning point with Kerr. So I think it just depends. And, uh, I love, love, love his answer of, you know, I wouldn't make my teammates do anything that I wouldn't do because that's the number one thing I want to look for in a leader. Do you lead by example? Yeah. And he's, I mean, at the end of that episode, he's like crying, which I think was powerful. It's like, yo, he, I mean, that you said it earlier, like that's authentically him. Like he only knew it. He only knew how to do it that way. Yeah. He wanted them to experience winning like he was experiencing it. I love that sequence. That sequence made episode seven my favorite to this point. It was obviously the most personal and raw. And you talk about a guy who's cruised through narrating everything, including the death of his father, and that choked him up. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I wonder if it's just that, he looks back and he's like, I wish I could have been nicer to people. Like I did miss out on some relationships, that sort of thing. Because I think there's an element of MJ being like a fucking armchair psychologist where he does have trouble connecting with people. Like you could tell like in a locker room, like back and forth with guys, like you can tell when guys are laughing at jokes and they're just kind of like, ha oh, yeah, you're Michael Jordan. I don't want to get cut. I got a lot. Like we don't talk a lot. The camera's here. Like that sort of thing. I'm not saying he, he was a bad teammate. I'm just saying like, it's hard for guys to relate to somebody who's isolated himself that much because he wants to be so great and is so great. And so right. I think that he, I think that he had trouble relating at times. I honestly do. Um, but I think it was authentically him and I think it kind of tore him up or he just missed it, missed busting people's asses. And that's what he was crying about when he, when he delivered that line. If you don't want to play like that, don't play like that break. Right. Right. Who are, um, who, who are some of the leaders you think about throughout your career that you've played with? And you might think of more when, in, when you were younger in your career than you did yeah. later, but what are some things and qualities and guys that you would shout out that yeah. you took a lot from? Well, there's a difference in, in leadership and like mentorship. I had a number of mentors, yeah. like guys that weren't necessarily great team leaders, but they were guys that I needed to bring me along as a young player one-on-one. I think that's leadership too, but like in the broader sense, you know, you think of leadership, it's team captain type shit, but you know, early in my career, a guy like James Hall, okay, like, you know how this is. I'm coming in as a high draft pick. Um, you, you've seen this with guys, like, they're playing earlier than they should. There's a, a Grizzly veteran who's still fucking good. You're on a bad team. It's dysfunctional. I come in. I shouldn't have been starting my first year in front of James Hall. He was a 50-60 sack career guy, played in Detroit, real grumpy. Guy didn't talk to me damn near the whole first year. I was afraid to ask him questions. I had kind of pushed up on his job and I didn't deserve it yet. Um, And, you know, like fast forward three years into my career, he's the single most impactful veteran I had because once I earned his respect, we became best friends. We climbed Killy together. He's who I went with the first time. He came to my wedding. We talked the other night for 30 minutes on the phone. Like we did not talk for a whole year, but that was leadership in an individual, you know, um, setting because he knew what buttons he had to push with me. And all of a sudden, you know, he's not answering my questions or he's ignoring me flat out at the locker. I'm following him in the film room. I'm like, hey, what do I do here? What do I do here? And I just annoyed him and worked yeah. my ass off until he respected me. Now, leadership, I would say, uh, I'll just pick two Patriots, offense and, 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 and defense. Dante Hightower, one of the best leaders I've ever been around. Um, not only a badass football player, criminally underrated, but he uh, – he was a guy that related to everybody in the, in the locker room. I think relatability is huge. Um, as you know, like if you can go to any locker and talk to the guys in the locker room authentically, you're a fucking candidate to be a leader, a gel guy, a glue guy. He was that guy, but he was also a guy who could motherfuck you. And he was usually in the right place, so he wasn't being a hypocrite. And I've seen him cuss people out. I love the standard he set. Also, Matt Slater, 
Matt Slater uh, is one of the greatest people I've ever played with, one of the best leaders I've ever played with. And on a team with big names, Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, that sort of thing. Like, those two guys are the leaders to me. He's been there, like, the whole time. Yeah, and Slate, under the radar, uh, is absolutely integral to that team. And he has compassion. He's that type of guy. So everybody's got a different type of leadership, and those two guys have stood out to me late in my career. Well, I mean, arguably in our profession, Tom Brady is arguably the GOAT in the NFL. Yeah. And you have, you know, we're witnessing this documentary of the the GOAT, argue, you know, debatable, arguable in NBA. What would you say differences are with Tom and Michael Jordan? Uh, big difference. Uh, you know, Tom, you see the fiery Tom on the sideline. And like I said, everybody's different. Tom to me is the GOAT as far as a quarterback is concerned. And when you're the uh, – the head of the snake, as they say, you are, you know, front of the line. If you're the GOAT quarterback, uh, you're the GOAT football player, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, he was humble. He was down to earth. Everybody on TV sees him cussing people out, throwing the the tablet, uh, you know, that type of shit. You don't want to – and I was never a receiver, so I never got that shit. Like, he was always nice to me because I was a D lineman. Uh, There was no – nothing he could cuss me out about, but – I just thought Tom was a, was an, was the most every man goat I ever played with. Like treated everybody in the building with respect. Uh, introduced himself to everybody. I know I've told this story before, and some people are like, "What's the big deal?" He introduced himself to you. I'm like, "Motherfucker!" When I when I walk in on my first day, and Tom Brady walks up to me and shakes my hand, and he's like, "I'm Tom Brady," and I'm like, "I know." Like that's a little thing, but that was emblematic of what he did every day. And, you know, he, he knew when to turn it on, when to be an asshole, when not to be an asshole. I think Jordan, from what I understand, and this was a psychological thing in seven and eight, he was damn near like the player and the coach. He was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady at the same time. Um, you know, and, and when you talk to Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr says he played with, you know, well, knowing Tim Duncan, okay, you play, you, you're playing with Tim Duncan. The other leaders that he knows of in the, in the NBA, you played with him. And it felt like you played with and for Michael Jordan. So I think that, honestly, that baseball uh, break for him was partially a big deal because he didn't have to be a coach and a player, and he could get led. Like, when was the last time Michael Jordan got led? And so I think that was a nice break for him. I think, you know, Tom and Mike, it's just different. 53 guys on a team, five guys, or, you know, 12, 13 guys on a team, whatever. But they're both the GOAT. Yeah. Well, shifting a little bit, you're retired now. Yeah. What what is life like being retired? How you play what 11 years? 11 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what is um, life like for you now? Uh it's awesome. It's uh, it's been one of the best years of my life. I think a lot of it has to do with me going out in a way that I was was comfortable with, you know, on my terms. Um and going out still playing well. So while it's still sometimes I, I miss it and there's times where you know that that you know, competitor in me pokes his head out and I'm watching a game and I'm like, I can make that fucking play. Are you kidding me? Like I could still do yeah, that. You, like, you still feel like you can go out there and make some plays. Yeah. But, but, but also it's nice to say, you know what? I'd rather have a little bit in the tank than nothing. And I can say that because when you have nothing in the tank as a football player, it's not just effort, it's your livelihood. And uh, I'm healthy. I can play with my kids. My dad played 13 years in the league. In the old CBA days, I know what that looks like. I don't want to look like that when I'm 60. Not in the face. My man looks flawless, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he I mean, he looks like he Benjamin know, Button. Man. But, but you know, you see him try to do an external row with a band. I mean, like, 
my man is jacked up. And I didn't want to be like that. So this has been the best year of my life down there. I mean, I've been under the gun. Really? Any NFL football player has been under the gun for, you know, if you play 11 years in the league. And, and in high school, I was working towards a scholarship. You know, I was lifting after practice. I was staying at the facility till 8 p.m. Like, mm-hmm. I've been working towards this my whole life. So it's 20 years of being under the gun. It feels great to be out. Girl, uh, you mentioned like be, being that extra, that hard worker growing up. When you were growing up in a family like you have, you have your younger brother, he's a stud. Um, your mom is a stud too. Wasn't she a tennis player? Yeah, she was good. She was a good athlete, good swimmer. Um, she still plays some tennis, and then my wife and her like have this rivalry now. So, um, yeah. It's um, did you ever feel like that expectation? I'm sure you've been asked it a lot, but did you ever feel those expectations? Maybe not specifically from your family, because right. maybe your dad just gets it. Yeah, like those coaches and friends and people just growing up thinking like, I know everyone expects me to be the next Howie Long. Yeah, no, it's it's tough because, you know, like you mentioned, my dad actually wasn't some like varsity blues dad. Right. He was like very. He didn't push me towards football. In fact, like he was the one who was more of an anchor for my ego. I mean, he was like you know, you'd be lucky, you know, maybe you could get a D1 offer and, you know, maybe you're athletic enough to play D-line, but I would work on your guard sets. He still says he didn't say that shit, but I mean, like, he didn't make it seem like a, like a big deal that he was my dad. And he also tried to raise me the way, you know, he would want to be raised, which was with humility and just work ethic. Whatever you do, you excel at that. It doesn't have to be football, but it turned out to be football. Um, and I'd say if you're taking that path, you know, certainly high draft pick, uh, four-star recruit coming out. There's a lot of ways that those guys skip to the front of the line. Um, but also I, I look at some guys who, who, who you know, thumb the nose at, at guys who uh, who had backgrounds like this or whatever. There's a flip side to that coin, and that's that flip side is pressure. You know, I ask those guys, you ever walk in a room and everybody dislikes you and has a preconceived notion about that's you? That's what right? I was already thinking. It was um, like that. I was already thinking about that rookie year when you were talking about you took a – you took your boy's job and I can only assume what, what your probably image was right when you walked in that building. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's not only you're, you're, a high, you're not only a high draft pick, everybody assumes that you hit the genetic lottery, which by the way, I'm the third best athlete in my family, maybe fourth. Uh, and, and also it's a solid family though. I would be one of those haters. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, Chris Long, he's got the genetic dude. Yeah. He's an undrafted well, guy. You're salty. Here's the thing about fucking genetics. What about all the other guys in the league? Do they have shitty genetics? Like, and they're all going to pass genetics down to kids and generation later. And people are going to be saying that about their kids. Uh, so did genetics change from their generation to the next? Like I think, and as my son probably just fell down or some shit, hold on. We were I'm talking about here. the genetics and I was, oh, my yeah. rebuttal was going to be whoever's perceived to be better than me. Then that means they just have better genetics than me. Well, yeah, That's I can say I that too. It. Like, you know, this from playing in the NFL, like I would, Listen, you know I'm not bullshitting you. There were very few teams where I was a top 10 athlete on the team. And and that's the funny thing is when you're Howie Long's son, everybody assumes you could just hit the lotto. You know, my dad's more athletic than me. Um, I had to work for everything I had. And, uh, you know, there's some people you never convinced that, and that's fine. But those are people who are sideline people. And there are also people that don't understand that when when you're marked like that, a great career in the NFL for 11 years, two Super Bowls, 70 sacks, all that shit, like team captain. That's a dream for everybody else. But you still have these nobodies that are like on the sideline, like you never be your dad. I'm like, well, you never be me. Like, who gives a fuck? Oh, let's a go. Reaction. 
Like, you, you're not me, and I'm not him, and really, it doesn't matter. And I'm tougher than you because I had to deal with that pressure my whole life. And so that was like a, 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 a skin of armor for me. Or if I get in the league and people are looking at me like, this dude's probably soft or whatever, like, that made me tougher. And you didn't have that, and I did. Okay, maybe you're tougher in a lot of other ways, but I had that, and you didn't. Yo, you just say, hey, you just fired me the fuck up, Chris. <laughs> Hey, I was getting up in my seat and everything. I was like, oh, okay. You want to play? Let's go, dude. Play, dude. <laughs> yeah. 20, 2020, um, come back. Um, where was I going? Where was I going with that? You legit, you legit had me fired up for a moment. Because <laughs> um, I like to talk shit, okay? Because because I had to talk a lot of shit. And this is the and this is the thing is like you know when you're you in d- oh, I, I can tell you had to talk a lot of shit. It seems like you've been in this conversation plenty of times. Like oh, I didn't yeah. even go there, and you just like oh, yeah. yo, if somebody wants but to that, fucking talk shit, they're that, a sideliner, the, bro. You know you know how much crazy shit I've heard over that. Like it's insane, like the way people twist certain things based on that. So like yeah, is it awesome? Is awesome to have a dad that played. He understands the game. He understands what I'm going through. Um, you know that's great. Uh, and also football gave him, you know, his kids a life that he never had. Like, you know, he grew up in Charlestown with not a lot and he had, you know, family members that helped him through. Um, but it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't an easy childhood uh, right. for me. I got that from football. So I would never resent my pop's career. In fact, I love it. I, I like I my dad is 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 like my best friend. So um, there's people that are like, is it annoying? Whatever. I'm like, nah, not really. Um, you know, I've been extremely blessed. Yeah, no doubt, man. All those accolades you mentioned earlier that you have um, accomplished in the NFL, uh, the Waterboy organization, being host of Greenlight Pod. What is your favorite? What is your favorite stat line of all of those accolades? What would you say you're most proud of? Uh, you know, football wise, I mean, like, listen, podcasting's hard, and you're you know this too. I mean, it's really hard. So this is a this is. Sometimes I'm more proud of a good pod than I was a good game. Uh, Dude, doesn't it hype you up, man? You're like, I can do it. I got my, when we got our first like small little sponsorship check, I wrote about this in one of my blogs. I was like, I was so fired up. I felt like I was getting a game check because we had earned that. Like we had created it. Like we did it. We made it to this little fucking check, dude. And it's and it's and you're entering a, a world of very smart people that would have called you a meathead in, in, uh, in yes. school. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, I guess on the field it would be, you know, I had a four year stretch uh, that was really good in St. Louis. You know, forty sacks in four years, and um, I'm proud of that because there weren't a lot of guys that do forty in four years. I mean, there were some good rushers that did that, but you know, for a while there, uh, I had a really good run individually and on bad teams too. So that was overcoming adversity and that sort of thing. You know, obviously the team stuff for me is being lucky enough to be a part of two Super Bowl teams. You know, there's a lot of luck involved in that. You got to choose the right place in free agency, um, et cetera. And a lot has to go right for you to be on a team. That's why I don't like judging people on Super Bowls. That's why for me, I almost sometimes when I resent the fact that, you know, I had a career that was really productive and people will be like, uh, Super Bowl champion. There he is. I'm like, hello. Hey, sir. Can you guys hear me? Hey, You're the boy. I'm in this thing. Damn yeah. it, Chris. I, I'm having a huge issue with these Zoom podcasts because every fucking guy we have on this thing, it's always one handsome son of a bitch that makes us look ugly as shit. Stop and here it. We are again. Stop Last it, week was Chase Rice and now you. God damn. Chase Rice. The people say we're twins. Really? Yes, dude. Uh, dead, guys, that would be a deadly alike. duo. That would be an absolutely terrifying duo. <laughs> You know, he played at UNC. You probably talked about all this. Yeah, he did. And I tell you what he said, too, and I know you can attest to this, is when people 
say, oh, I played, I played here or I played there. I did this and that and the other. I could have gone to the NFL. However, injury. However, uh-huh. coach didn't like uh-huh. me. So I had a, we had a little, little square, a little qualm with him about that. I'm not sure. Did he do it? He, did he, he, did he, he pull talented. that down? He said that he, um, he, he brought up the fact that he did get injured. He had a big season. He was in front of Zach Brown who did end up going to the NFL. So you got to respect that. Yo, yeah. you know, Zach Brown, you know, I, he's well, I, I know, I know stories. I know he, he, uh, he found his way out of Philly in the most spectacular fashion. <laughs> in the best fucking way, dude. He just got there. He pissed somebody off and then they got torched by, uh, said somebody and then he was gone. Grant that's cousins. so funny, dude. That's such a, that's that's such a Zach Brown thing. Zach Brown, shout out to people that just do whatever the hell they want. Oh, yeah. I Frank envy- Sinatra, my way. You know what? If you live by that song, good for you, man. Good for good you. For you can't, you. We, you can't all be sellouts. You're, you're the master of your, your universe, man. And, like, I, I envy those people. Like, I, I like to think I got a, a solid uh, – I got more than a pinch. You like to put a pinch of salt in a recipe. I got more than a pinch of you don't give a fuck. But Zach Brown got, like, a, a tablespoon. Yeah. No, his, yeah. that was the main course. Mm-hmm. No question. You definitely did. But that's a good thing, man. People don't uh, – uh, Marilyn Monroe said no one, got, no one ever gets remembered follow, following the rules. Yeah. So, I mean, no. that's, that's a big thing. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> I respect the shit out of that, dude. But anyway, going, going back to Chase Rice real quick. Yeah, he, uh, he said. <laughs> hey, Chris, I, just I know the boy's it. on and your podcast is over, dude. We, we're hosting <laughs> Taylor now. Hey, this is Greenlight Podcast featuring <laughs> I love co-host it. Will love Compton it. and our <laughs> guest <laughs> is Taylor Lewan. <laughs> I, I, just, well, I, just want, I didn't want to go on this podcast, start talking about Chase Rice, could have, would have, should have got type of attitude and not say that I believe he could have actually made it in the NFL. I was just giving him a hard time. He's a boy. Got to respect him. We're still going out to the ranch. Athletic dude, good dude, um, and uh, man, his concerts, <laughs> the ladies love him. Oh, no question. We got, Damn, he told us like a story that. on The Bachelor, too, when he was on The Bachelor. He told us the oh, whole yeah. spiel, dude. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He's got a square jaw, man. He's got a jaw that can cut glass, and that's coming from somebody with a, with a sizable mandible. I tell you what, yeah. dude, jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got them cat eyes, boy. Uh, hey, I got them eyes. That's about it. From here, hey. <laughs> I'm the prettiest woman in the world from here to here, baby. <laughs> from there to there, every girl envies this shit. After that, it's like small piece, yeah. no jawline, <laughs> offensive lineman. Life's a little tough out here for the boy. Yeah, you O-linemen get really pigeonholed on the uh, – I think every big white O-lineman that walks in the room, everybody assumes he has a small piece, and I feel <laughs> like guys. Just you're gonna earn well, it, dude. You know, there you don't just come up with those stereotypes. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> there's smoke, there's fire. There's some data behind it, dude. Hey, yeah. three, three inches like, of hell the, of the Hey, old lineman, that's, that's who I'm standing by in the shower if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going in, dude. It's an old lineman. Well, I feel like you guys did went overboard with the shower talk once before, and Batesy got mad at you. Darren Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about uh, we were on a meat-peaking segment there for a legend? second. Legend. Dude, DB is such a legend, bro. Like, when that came about, I walked up to him on the sideline. I was just – because me and him, like, we just had that – Funny little you. Oh yeah, I can see. Since we were like the backups in the in the linebacker room, yeah. And uh, his locker was right next to mine with this little boom box and everything. And oh, I yeah. walk up, I was like, "Hey, DB, how many of these guys do you think would admit to meat peeking in the shower?" Like, hey, calm, <laughs> hey, you wild boy. He's about hey, by yeah. you know DB about sixty. About sixty yeah, percent. He's got a tablespoon of Memphis in him, man. He's he's a Memphis dude. I love that guy. So. Before we go on to the next topic, subject fun in the podcast, the boys, we got to read a couple ads. Free fly. Shout out the boys at Free Fly. 
A couple of weeks ago, I got a box of clothing from this company. Their clothing now is made from butter soft bamboo. And I have to say that it's 100% fact, true, and it, it fucking feels like butter is laying on you. Um, I'm not joking. Honestly, I, uh, I actually got on a couple of days ago and I used our code. Bussin, which I'll give you here in a little bit. I used our code to buy more gear because the gear they shipped me, I mean, they shipped me a shirt, shorts, hat, all this fun stuff, but I need more of it because I, I really, it, it is that fucking comfortable. Um, I wear it around the house. I've wore it working out. You know, when I hit the golf course, I'm going to wear it. Um, if, you know, free fly fishing, I assume if I ever go free fly fishing one day, I will have this shit on me. Uh, some background on the boys. Free fly was founded by Montana fishing guide and two Nike marketers that identified a big problem in the industry. Outdoor clothing was too complicated and way too fucking uncomfortable. Stiff, all that shit that you guys know what I'm talking about. Together, they quit their jobs and made it, made it their mission to create the most comfortable shirt imaginable. On top of being super comfortable, Free Flies Bamboo clothing has UPF sun protection, wicks away moisture, and doesn't hold odor. From fishing to hitting the gym or lounging around the house, this stuff is phenomenal. You can get 20% off when you visit freeflyapparel.com backslash bussin'. Again, that's 20% off. Use this code, guys. I myself have used this code to get 20% off free fly gear. You go to their site, freeflyapparel.com backslash bussin to get 20% off. Hey, you you want to make cooking kick, man? You got tablespoons and teaspoons everywhere. No, I am because my son's been baking all day. You've been baking. My son's been making cookies all day, bro. You can only make cookies so many times during the pandemic and act like we didn't do it last week. But I don't know until I'm 8 o'clock at night wandering around the fucking pantry like I'm lost and I don't have a roadmap. And I keep walking back in and walking back in. Hey, let me just say this. Don't get high in the kitchen. If you eat an edible, don't do your work at night in the kitchen. (laughs) Go upstairs because you'll be too lazy to walk downstairs. The biggest life hack in the world. You only eat dessert if you want to eat dessert. You make that decision. No question. Oh, I, I, you know, unfortunately I make that decision, that mistake. I've made it several times in the quarantine world. <laughs> I've it, never, it doesn't matter how lazy I am, right? When we get, we'll get do done it. playing risk. I'll walk you right on downstairs. Do about what do we got in here, boys? Who's getting destroyed tonight? Oh yeah. Oh, what's, yeah. An, what's an edible? What are you guys talking about? Yeah, he can't. <laughs> nothing that you know, nothing that you know about yet. Yeah, is it, is my, it the, our young that, son? That devil's lettuce everyone's talking about? You're, you're, That's all the new rage? Is that what everyone's talking yeah, about? Yeah, the devil's lettuce. You're, you're, you got a little cherub down there. Hey, I'm in the Bible belt, baby. Yeah, we, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Angel baby. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, speaking, okay, so just going on that a little bit, I think right after you retired, <laughs> one of your first like comments you made was something about marijuana. Did you guys already talk about this? No, we didn't. no, dude. I'm just laughing because you just came in, and I'm gonna be honest. Like Chris, this is the best Taylor Lewan we've gotten because it's always been on the phone. It's blurry. Yeah. There's no microphone. It's the phone. Like I'm stoked and proud right now Ooh. because he sounds like a pro. He's holding that marker, moving it around. He's like, all right, let's go into that a little bit. Yeah, After Sharpie, shout out Sharpie. We're looking for sponsors every single day, baby. Oh yeah, <laughs> so so, You know why it's blank back here, Chris? Why? A lot of room, a lot of real estate to sell our soul, there baby. We go. That hey, lettuce, hey, you want to put a big leaf up here. If you just lay, you just pay the bucks. That's all we uh, need. Hey, hashtag goals. You can write all your hashtag goals and, and you know, write a fake uh, workout plan and put it online like everybody else. No question. Or you there can put you fake go, stuff dude. like fake. Hey, yeah, list champion. I, got, I got in trouble, not in trouble. Cause I, I get in trouble. I think here's the problem Tay. in, 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 you know, uh, Nashville is not a huge football market. It's a great football market, but it's not a national market where if you say something, it's going to hit the fan for eight years in St. Louis, you know, we were bad and, uh, nobody was watching us outside St. Louis. So 
you know, there were people that when I got to New England and St. in Philly, they were like, who is this guy? Like, I've never seen him play football before. I've been in the league a damn decade. Okay. So I would never get in trouble for saying anything. So I got conditioned to saying whatever the fuck I want. I go on Dan Patrick and I'm retired. And I've also, I also pe- assume people, my musical taste, you know, some of my tweets late at night, uh, some of the subject matter I like to cover. I assume people know that, you know, I like the, the, the medicine and, um, Dan Patrick asked me something about marijuana and I'm like, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, I have my fair share, like on to the next point. It's, it's, I, are people that naive? Right. I, I think it's at the point right now in the world in not the world, you, you, the United States where it's such an, it's such a new thing. My wife, she's from British Columbia and British Columbia smoking marijuana is like having a beer. Is it's it? like, oh. Hey, Hey, we're having a hoot, change a couple channels. Not trying to rewire the whole system. But it's yeah. kind of like the thing that's like their, their deal up there. Mm-hmm. So my wife comes down and, pe- you know, pe- you know, it's everywhere. People are saying smoking and everyone's like, oh, secretive. My wife's like, I don't understand why everyone's so weirded out. Like, that's just that's a thing. And yeah. it's crazy. The bubble we live in in America, like what is so taboo and what's not? Well, it's funny. There's some people that really there's a whole host of people for reasons that we won't get into on this pod that anything I say or do, they don't like mm-hmm. Um and their response was very quickly like, yeah, dude, we get it. You smoke like dude with, you know, bonging a beer in his profile picture. I'm like, okay, dude, you know, what you're doing is a little bit more extreme than what I'm doing. I'm hitting my pen and drifting off to sleep or watching a funny movie. You're going out and getting beat up at a bar or, you know, ruining your marriage because you're blackout drunk. Like I like to drink. I still drink. Uh, I haven't drank a lot in quarantine. I still like getting fucked up, hanging out with my buddies, an excuse to drink beer. I love it but I bring my pen with me. Uh, you know, like it's just what I do is not a problem. It's not harming anybody else. And what a lot of guys in the league uh, do is not a problem. It's not harming anybody else. And um, I think it's good that in the new CBA, they move things a little bit towards like an imaginary, um, you know, rule. It's, it's kind of I mean, it's an imaginary fucking, rule. You know, exactly. well, it was already kind of like that, right? Like it's, it's kind of, they call it the stupid test in the NFL. Like you fail. Yeah. Yes. It's because you're an idiot because literally the time you can get tested is 420 as if that wasn't a coincidence, right? April 20th to the end of OTAs and then the first two weeks of of camp are the only times you can get tested. You just sounded like Chris (laughs) D'Elia. Well, don't say that. Oh, wow. We're trying to to move We're stealing his stuff. We steal it all the time. Oh, do you? Yes, dude. It's bad. We can can get sued so bad. We can get sued so fast. Dude, so stupid, dude. dude he just sits up in his chair. Pod Instagram page is awesome. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here, but I guess my thing is, you know, the more you normalize it, it's not a big deal. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't profess for it to be a big deal. You know, I would say to a fan who's looking at me crazy, like, you're making it a big deal. Literally, it is not a big deal. And you know, all these things that. You know, you would think you were praising me for charitable contributions, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, all that shit, whatever. You think I'm some angel, and I am an angel. I am an angel that smokes the devil's lettuce. <laughs> um, and it, and it, it, it makes no difference. Like, you can do all these great things in life, and you can do bad things in life, too. It, it's, it's not your character. And the thing that annoyed me, my biggest pet peeve out of that whole thing was not people that called me some degenerate it was people that thought they were like they were like my boys all of a sudden because they know exactly who i am because i smoke weed or like everything i'm doing now they're like oh well 
you're high. Let's meet and smoke a J. I'm like, dude, like my entire life doesn't revolve around that. It's something that I do. It's a part of my life, but it's not much more of a part. Well, it's a bigger part than Briar's vanilla ice cream. But I was going to say like, it's not a bigger part than ice cream. Like you're not judging me because I eat ice cream. That's not character altering. It's not a big deal. I think in like a decade, we're going to look back at this time and we're like, um, we were so stupid just caring about the morons. It was like the people in prohibition, the people in prohibition were way smarter. Alcohol wrecks lives. And I'm not saying that we should stop drinking because I am completely, I got cognitive dissonance or whatever smart people call it, where I'm not sure what to think about booze. I mean, like I would never want him to go away and I know it's extremely harmful and has ruined, you know, my life could be 20% more productive and better, but I like being drunk sometimes. Um, but, but marijuana, there's just not that, there's, there's not that element. Yeah. Well, I feel, I feel like you're not like, <clears throat> for people to think that you weren't smoking weed and just look at the background of your room, like Jesus Christ, my friend, like it's <laughs> the greenest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. This is a new room. This is where the devil, devil's lettuce is really taking a hold. Of you me. probably got a grill right, in, right behind your camera right now. You're probably oh, staring at it. You can't say that. <laughs> hey, when was your first time? When was the first time you lit it? When was the first time you smoked? Uh, honestly, like. I'm not one of those people that started in like high school. It was in college. It was, um, it was Boise, Idaho. It was, uh, Boise, Idaho. And he's smiling. It must be a story. There wasn't much of a story. We went out and got some 40 ounces and, uh, and we, uh, we watched bring it on. And, uh, I got <laughs> stuck. I'm like stuck on the couch, you know, Gabrielle union, whoever else is in that movie. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this movie? And why can't I move? And, you know, I, that was the first time. And honestly, for me, it was, you know, I went through phases in, in my career because there were some people that told me, like, you know, it's bad for your, your, your testosterone or it's bad for, like, your whatever. And I would try to experiment with, like, stopping and whatever. But there was a period of my career where I was popping sleeping pills. And you know how easy you can get pills in the NFL. I was popping yeah. sleeping pills um, in a bad way. I mean, Lunesta just eating them. And, uh, oh, really? and that was altering kind of my, my mood and my personality. There's some bad rebound shit on stuff like that. And also the anxiety with like, I can't sleep without a pill. That's terrible. Um, and a lot of people go down that road and it sucks. And, you know, probably the best day of my life from a health standpoint was getting rid of those, those Lunestas and, and those sleeping pills and not having to use that stuff anymore and finding a good strain. Cause like back in the day, you just smoked whatever you could get, you know, Reggie Miller, whatever it was. And then, like, at a point in my career, things got more specialized because, you know, dispensaries opened and people had specific strains and people all of a sudden were snobby about it. Or maybe it was like that in the 80s and 90s and I didn't know it, but I grew up to where I could get, like, okay, this is an indica. This is going to put me down like an elephant trank gun. And that changed my life. Yo, that's funny. When did – Sorry, the bean just just walked up on me. The bean was like (laughs) – Okay. What is that? That's my daughter. She's two. She's turning three soon. She's like talking, but she's also like doing like um, like she just still does like Gabby, like the Gabby thing. What's up? But they say the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. You know, that sounds like one of those minions. I'm like, hey, 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 can you go see your mom, please? Daddy's trying to talk to a man about marijuana right now. Can you please? Uh, like Daddy's trying to talk about marijuana. <laughs> trying to talk to a man about marijuana right now. Hurt <laughs> your eyes. You're gonna get addicted to marijuana through the screen. Oh man, avert your eyes when please go in the other room and watch Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Paw Patrol. By the way, you hear they're coming out with a new character this summer. Are they really? Got to pay more attention when you got that background noise on, player. That's big time, baby. That's big yeah. time. I got. I got to get on that because I'm looking for, you know, July 5th is her birthday. 
I got to look for birthday gifts, and mom doesn't even know about that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the maybe get her the new Paw Patrol uh, character. It's gonna be the hottest thing out. It's gonna be like the Furbies were. Hey, Furbies were a big deal. Furbies took the the world by storm. Furbies were the 2000s version of the Cabbage Patch Kids. No like, question. They, they were elite, and and they had like a 10 year run. I feel like. Furbies, Furbies didn't have a TV show though. I, I would say that Pokemon, like that era. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was about. Catch them, Pikachu. Like for me, I was I was out there wheeling and dealing them carts. Huge Pokemon kid. Huge. I think oh, it was I was like big generational or something, and I just missed the boat. Well, what, what were you? Chris, were you Chris to be fair, you're a lot older than us. You know, yeah, it's true. And I forget that sometimes. <laughs> oh, how old are you? Thirty-five. Oh my God! Hey, I mean, start five, thinking this five now, years boys. on me. Huh? T- Taylor, what are you? Twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, I don't like to talk about my age on uh, on camera, but yeah, 20, 20, especially because you're in your twenties, and that's like the worst time of your life. The twenties, thirties are so much better, dude. I swear. I'm a firm believer that once you hit thirty, it's you're literally you might as well just be a ghost, like you're might a spirit. Be you might as well be dead. I used Done. to be the most fatalistic. Like I approach life like you know every day I think about dying of old age. So like mm-hmm. I'm like my time's running out. I got to do more shit. I'm running out of time. Like I need to. I needed to attack this, like, and then I sleep in and take a nap. But I had that general attitude. Marijuana. And it's, yeah, it's because, it's because, uh, you know, life's short. And when I was in my 20s, I thought the same way as you, but I turned, turned 30 and my life got more peaceful. You kind of calmed down. I used to be just like a wild dog. And it's not the worst thing to, to be a little bit domesticated and, 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 and enjoy your life and slow things down and realize you don't have to be out uh, 100 miles an hour you know, in your life all the time, having kids slowed me down, like, you know, having my two kids and, you know, being a dad now, you realize all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is what was missing my entire twenties. I was like overcompensating for something. Like I'm chasing Mm -hmm. something in my life, like an achievement or whether it was football or whatever your job is like keeping your kids happy is all that fucking matters now. And having a great podcast. That is, well, that is a a very important point at the end there. I think for me, I agree with you a lot. I think when I was early twenties, like I was in college, like the only thing that mattered was getting that dub on Saturday and how much booze can I drink between Saturday night and Friday? You know yep. what I'm saying? I cut it off Thursday because I was a, I was I was a pro then. And getting but, them rocks off. Yeah, yeah well, no question. Like that, 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 that out, came with the drinking. Like you just gotta get like <laughs> literally like that was how I was wired. I was like, I gotta I'm I'm chasing girls, I'm drinking beer, whatever. And then you think that's it. Like I just want to do this and have fun and lift weights. And I, I was definitely a meathead. And the older I get, like my biggest anxiety now is realizing that there's so much to do in this world. There's so much that you, there's so many lives you can live. There's so many things you can experience. And I almost have anxiety of what if I'm not doing enough? Yeah. yeah. I, I do a podcast. I do, I do business stuff. I, yeah. I obviously football is my, my number one, my main thing as far as like from a business standpoint, I have a family, I have a daughter, I have a kid on the way. But it's like a lot of times I lay in bed at night, the things that do keep me up is like, what aren't I doing that I could be experiencing that could be more for like- Yeah, how slow. And you're reading like everybody's regrets. If you Google dying regrets, there's like five and you're like, fuck, I'm going to regret that one. Yeah. I'm walking right into the trap. But like, I'm going to tell you a quick one that that illustrates this, I think, is, you know, right before we had kids, and I used to be deathly afraid of having kids, responsibility, you know, the codependence, like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I'm not independent. I'm so independent. My wife knows this. We've been here since college. Meg, she's awesome. She was very patient with me coming to grips with being an adult and like being ready to have a kid. But we also wanted to wait a while because I didn't want like, you know, my dad was a football player. It kind of sucks when your dad's like stressed all the time and at work. And like, I didn't want to have to, you know, my dad told me, he's like, you want to enjoy your kids. So um, 
you know, right before we had kids, I said to Meg, I said, all right, well, if we're going to do this, you got to promise me two things. You're going to let me climb Everest and I got to do the entire app trail. You can like bring the kids at night, like to see me and like follow me on the trail. How unrealistic was this? <laughs> and I guess she just knew I was a total moron. I was like, yep, you, you got it. Like, that's fine. Uh, she must have had foresight because the minute, you know, Waylon showed up uh, four years ago, my risk aversion, uh, my risk aversion, sorry, became much different. And like, I don't think about things like that anymore. Like I start thinking about shit that when I used to do things that were risky, like, you know, if I'm on a river and I'm drunk and I'm doing something sketchy or like if I have some sketchy goal, I used to want to, I used to want to paraglide off Kilimanjaro. Like, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because Mm -hmm. now the thought is like, I'm not just ruining my life. I'm ruining my kids' lives. And, uh, that's thirties for you. I mean, like it just naturally happens. You don't even have to worry about it. Stop worrying, man. Mm-hmm. You excited to be 30 now, Taylor? No, uh, I think it's a great um, club, dude. It, I'm glad it's nice to have this. He explains it well. Cause anytime Taylor, Taylor like traps me, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to die soon. I just come. You're not going to die. One day they're going to put you in a box and possibly slide you into a fireball or just bury you underground. But like, that's not for, uh, another, well, you play in the NFL. So average age is in the sixties. You're about halfway there. See, <laughs> that's good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad so just to go with that, <laughs> go with my point of being 30, the minute you hit 30, you're every day closer to death. Like you're like more than halfway. Like when you hit 25, every day you're closer to 30. You know what I'm saying? Like anytime, anytime we're talking a lot about curves right now. Okay. Anytime the curve is flattened <laughs> and age flattens the curve on your potential and like your life is like this on the back end of whatever your apex is for football players, it might be 23. The, the next yeah. you know, 50 years is all downhill. You are literally dying every day. So get, get, get moving, yeah. but also realize that life is just going to settle you the fuck down in your thirties. You don't have a choice. You're going to be sitting on the couch. Like, I wish I was more driven. Like I was in my twenties. You're just not, and you get tired of shit. That's like part of why I retired. I got tired of stupid shit and my threshold for stuff that I wasn't enjoying. Sometimes was just like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm smart. I'm old. Mm-hmm. The the thing about like being in your thirties and stuff that you talk about, like I used to want to do this and that, and now I don't, I, I am that way right now. There's a lot of things that, yeah, skydiving. Yeah, I'll do that. I watch guys on the, I watch Travis Pastrana and the boys in squirrel suits jumping on a plane. Yeah, I never want to no, do that. No question. I, I would absolutely, like in my head, I'm like, I would do that. And I remember saying that to my okay. wife when I first met her, I was like, I want to do this. Man, you can hit that pole so hard. Dong. Yeah, done though. But the thing is, it's like, like, boom. Yeah. out of there you know what i'm saying and it's like there's not like that was my mindset is like well it kind of still is unfortunately like i always think like what I, I need to do everything i need to see everything and all that and maybe maybe when i hit my 30s it'll change but you know what being a parent definitely does put things more into perspective for you which has really done that for me but like at the same time i do have that you know daredevil mentality or whatever it is that you kind of want to do and experience new things. Like, like you're still uh, in your physical plants. prime. You're still, your physical, you're still in your physical prime. You're still playing good ball. Like you're 28. You're not old. O-Lyman played at like 50. Mm-hmm. And, and also like you don't really come to grips with aging until your body starts changing from a football perspective because that's how you've defined your mortality for yeah. your entire life and your career now. So like the minute you start noticing that things are a little bit different, you're going to start thinking about like, oh, I'll never feel as athletic as I did last year. 
I'll never be as good physically as I was last year. You know, the first day of camp when they tell you this is the best you're going to feel all year. No question. Guys walking in like, what's up, rookie? How you feeling today? You're like, I feel great. You're like, never again. And you're like, fuck. (laughs) That's like, that's when you have that realization. It's not training camp. It's the rest of your life. So, um, you know, you you, you get wiser. You just, life kicks your ass, man. Mm -hmm. You can't beat it. Yeah, that is going to be a, a thing when I when I wake up one day and I feel like oh I'm not I'm actually either leveling off or going down. You know, what and you can still play. Curve flattens, dude. That curve flattens. See, but like the thing is, there's so many new things that come out every single every single year, like NAD, like ozone, like vitamin bags, like sex you know, robots. You know, all all that stuff. We don't need <laughs> women. Don't need us anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. Yeah, it's all going to work out. Yeah, it's. Eh. I, I don't know. I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast the other day and he was talking about Elon Musk and he was literally saying like Elon Musk <laughs> said five to 10 years away from not even having to communicate uh, via like using your mouth. Like you and yeah. I could sit there like this. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, you think about it and I'm very, uh, I was talking about this on the pod last night cause I was talking about the Terminator fight with the T 1000 where he knocks him in the lava. I, I, um, I, I watched that movie far too early in my life. Like, my parents didn't have parental controls on the TV, I was saying, yeah. I think. Like, I was all Arnold movies at, like, four. And I think that's why I'm so afraid of robots. And you can call me what you want. You can call me, like, not progressive on robotics or automation. Like, but they are going to crush people's jobs. And eventually, they're going to get smart enough where they, they realize that we're just in the way. Like, they're not, there's no passion or emotion with robots. They're just going to one day wake up in their robot beds, and they're going to say, Fuck these people. We don't need them anymore, and we're all going to die. If unless, I think, I think we'll be very like dead, we'll be dead for sure before robots are waking up and going to sleep in beds. We we will be, but but in the next 15, 20 years, you know the anxiety you feel when you realize you've been on your phones for six hours in a day. Yes, you're going to effectively become a phone. Yeah. Like, well, hopefully no, they like, enjoy podcasts and we'll still, we'll have value. They won't well, kill us. You know what I'm saying? Floor right now. Like, Yo, hey, I enjoy busting with the boys in green light. Let's not fucking kill those humans. Yeah, no, let's not kill them. We like podcasts, but also like imagine if they put that chip in you, like you're not ever going to have to pick the phone up. You're going to be on the phone all day when you don't have to learn anything anymore and go through that process and you can flip a switch and gain knowledge. That's going to be fucking crazy. It's, be- it's scary. Are we past the point of AI? Like from an artificial intelligence standpoint, do you think we're already too advanced? Like there's no going back from here or there's still a point in your mind for your Terminator safety where you think, Oh, we could stop here and be okay. I think that the problem with people is they don't know where the point of diminishing return is. Like, Mm -hmm. listen, there's certain jobs that would be improved and should be eradicated because of robotics, like some dangerous job, like, a coal miner in a country where the safety um, standards aren't great or it's really sketchy or something like that, like some dangerous ass job that people really don't want to do. But the problem is like, it's like right now there's this uh, company up in Syracuse that came out with this, this drone that's going to help out this fall and clean stadiums and they're going to spray hand sanitizer just for this fall though. It's not just for this fall. We're going to come in. We're going to clean some stadiums. By the way, it doesn't matter if the stadium doesn't have COVID in it. It's the people I'm worried about, not the seat. You know, like, so it doesn't matter. But, like, after this passes, what's going to happen? They're going to say, Mm -hmm. oh, we can clean every stadium with drones. How many janitors are losing their jobs? How many people that clean stadiums are losing jobs? That's just a little example. But that stuff goes and goes and goes. And people who are bottom line interested 
are only interested in that and they don't know where the point of diminishing return is. And I think eventually it gets out of control. Yeah, Jeff Bezos is fucking us right now. That's what you're saying. He's, all those motherfuckers, dude. I can't say Jeff Bezos because I feel like he... Because <laughs> he's listening right now. Delay my, my, uh, my order of He's one of our many. He's, he's listening. I'm ready to fight for freedom, but not at that cost. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you what, man. That, that man... Remember when Amazon came out, though? It was like... I'm pretty sure it was like a, a tablet, a fire tablet. It was it, like Amazon Fire. And you like, just got nothing. books, right? It was just books. Yeah. It was just books. And now it's like they're testing drones to do faster drop-off. I got, a, I got fucking Amazon boxes outside my door every single day. I don't even know if we ordered them. But I tell you what, when I opened that damn box, I knew I needed it. You wait a day to open the box because of the, <laughs> the germs? No, I don't do that. I should. Do that he wipes them down. He's got a little disinfectant wipes. He's got to wipe them I'm down. a germaphobe, bro. So have you, so do you, are you fully, do you fully believe in COVID? Do you, are you like the numbers are real? Everything's real. I understand the, the economy piece of it. I'm not going to thumb my nose at people who are worried about getting back to work, but it's just how you're, how you're expressing that. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to work out outside of a, uh, of a gym because you're being, you think you're being oppressed uh, and waved like American flags and shit. Like, I just think it's a little bit overboard and that's not a Liberty. You can get swollen a six by eight. Like, why are you down there in Florida? It's very Florida, you know, <laughs> doing CrossFit outside of a gym, proving that you don't need a gym to exercise. Like, it's just, what are we doing? Like, this is unprecedented. Listen, has it been exaggerated at times? Sure. But it's also a fucking pandemic that's a novel virus and we don't have immunity to it. So, like, what's the worst thing about waiting it out a little bit? I know that we're all very lucky, the three guys on this call. We can work from home. We have means. I'm not minimizing that. But I'm certainly a believer in COVID. Like, we've lost tens and tens of thousands of lives in the United States. And um, it's extremely sad. And it's hard because there is this, like, mental struggle of, like, I know that if I'm younger, I'm probably not going to die for it, especially, like, people who are under 23 colleges coming back in the fall some people are like it's so stupid that they're talking about not open colleges but there's a flip side to that i live in charlottesville there's not a ton of cases here but if fifteen thousand students from all over the eastern seaboard come back in the fall it's going to be like a matchstick and that second surge is what i'm worried about now we need to shout out the boys at raycon whether you're working from home or working on your fitness you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to not what everybody else wants you to listen to. Listen, as an NFLer, weird flex, I know we get a shitload of earbuds, wireless, all the fun stuff, dude, all the bells and whistles, because everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the boys at Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. Go check it. Go fact check it. Do what you got to do. It's guaranteed. And they sound just as amazing as all these other top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's earbuds are so comfortable, they're perfect for your conference calls or binging podcasts like Bustin' with the Boys, rate, subscribe, five stars, 
Personally, what I like to do, I like to work out in them. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith. They're all obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Again, go fact check this thing on their website. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash bussin. That's buyraycon.com slash bussin for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash bussin. You're welcome. Back to the episode. All right, let's shift. Let's shift gears because I think we've. Uh, it's probably been like seventy minutes. Yeah, we're good. I want you to talk about chalk. I want you to talk about chalk media. I want to uh, know why it started. You probably saw my notes. I cussed myself out. Like, don't settle for a boring answer. Like, I want to fucking know. You're sitting there. You're a fl- you flatline. You're now like you were saying it earlier. You're feeling your body. So you're co- having a conversation with yourself. Like, okay, I'm gonna start transitioning. Here's what it's gonna look like for me. Well, what do we do a lot of the time? in the NFL, we bullshit. I mean, that's what we do for a living. Like we play football, we hit people, but we bullshit with each other. And people in a locker room have the most interesting unfiltered conversations. You talk about Twitter and people getting offended. Nobody gets offended in an NFL locker room. Like there's some hard conversations had because you trust people. That's another thing about the conversation we were just having. You know, I guarantee you, if you know somebody personally who has a difference of opinion, that conversation is going to go differently than with a stranger. And that's the beauty of an NFL locker room. That's why like we're already to just bullshit for hours. So my last couple of years, I'm sitting there and I'm just saying, you know, what do I want to do when I get out? Cause I was terrified of retirement. Um, I was terrified. Like I was terrified of sitting still. I'm like you, like you Taylor talking about, you know, it looks like death to me. Retirement looked like imminent death and the way they make it sound, you're going to lose your mind in five years. You're going to hate yourself because they never tell the good story. So I'm scrambling my brain trying to figure out what's already scrambled. Let some people tell it, but I'm, I'm scrambling my brain trying to think about what I might do. And I'm, I'm thinking I would love to take these conversations, you know, and, and make it my job. It's almost unfair to have this job. It's fun. It's hard work. That's what I'm realizing, but it's something I look forward to doing, talking to interesting people and, uh, and ranking shit, you know, talking about whatever I want to talk about. And that's the nice thing about going alone. You were asking me about that. Will. like my pod, my pod is green light pod we got some listeners, whatever. Like I don't keep track of that shit for the most part, honestly, the numbers, whatever, because I don't think sometimes popularity is necessarily a good thing. Depends on who's listening. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like if a bunch of people you don't want to listen are listening, like it's not a big deal. And also we talked about the rat race thing. Well, once you get in the media, everybody's starved for attention. Everybody wants, everybody's racing to the, the same lead or trying to get ahead. And I just approach this thing like, Hey, I do three pods a week. It keeps me busy. I love it. It's something to answer to. And I'm interested by people and topics and it's fun, man. I love it. Dude, up to until 2 a.m. You were up until 2 a.m. last night. Like that's I was up until 2 a.m. I had a buddy on that got a little tipsy and uh, I didn't want to use all of it without his permission. And it was, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to ask your friend and be like, hey, you good with all that? But like at 11, you think he's more sober than he was at nine. Yeah. Uh, so I waited till the morning and I just, I redid the pod, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was up till 2am. Uh, I'm definitely a night owl with it. I don't know if you guys usually record around now, but I'm kind of a night owl with it. Do you, do you wish you did more when you were playing like from like, from a, from a media standpoint like this, like doing a podcast. Cause for me, 
that was my biggest fear going to it. Will Will was the one that sat me down. I was like, I want to do this. Um, Will, knowing he's like towards the end of his career, his words are not mine. I'm not trying to throw shit at the boy. Jesus. And he wanted to put this thing. <laughs> the boy said, he said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. Help me launch my career. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, jump on my back. Let's get this thing going. Dude. Hey, don't, don't, don't get it great, dude. It was, oh, you're going to do this thing. You all want to do it with you. I'm like, Thank yeah, God. well, it was, it, yeah. And I, but there was a lot of, a lot of uh, being nervous, like putting yourself out there every single For week. Sure. If you don't have a good, a good game and the, a podcast comes out, people are like, well, the, what the fuck are you doing on a, doing a podcast when you should be watching film? And that's a lot of the reason why we like, we do a lot before the season. I don't do podcasts during the season, but it was there ever a time for you that you were like, you know, like now looking back, maybe I should have done something more like this while I was playing. No, honestly, because I'm like you with my concerns for the minute you don't make a play. And the hardest thing about being a defensive end is the one thing they measure you on is sacks. Like, right. and a lot of that is dependent on things around you. So no I can't necessarily control my career year. You know, it depends on the back end. It depends on, the time you have, the guys rushing next to you, it's a team sport. So, like, you could work your ass off and have a goose egg on a Sunday and rush really well. And I don't want to be on that Sunday, you know, having coming in after a loss where you got a goose egg and you're in there on Monday and you got to talk about stuff and look like you're having fun and take it down. Everybody has enough time to do one podcast a week in the NFL. Like, we mm-hmm. work our asses off, but like, there's time in there. Right. So, doing it is not like some big distraction. It's just, can you handle the bullshit? And I didn't want to deal with that bullshit of people, you know, connecting stupid dots, um, which I'm sure you've dealt with a little bit and it's probably not easy. Yeah. I mean, th- th- going through this year was definitely t- tough. The issue I had is I got suspended, right? So I, I get suspended and then I was doing podcasts during my suspension. Cause it's like, well, you know, what else I'm going to do? Do a couple, I'm working out. Like you can only work out so much in, in a day. You can only do so yeah. much in a day. You know, they, so it's like, People, people who are sitting and doing their nine to five job, like it's not like I'm out sitting there at six thirty, t- tweeting at them, going, "Hey, what? Why aren't you working on the TPS report, asshole? You should yeah. be doing a little bit more." Hey, Milton. Hey, it's yeah. like here's the deal. The funniest thing is, and this is down the down the line of what we're talking about. You go out to a game on a Saturday night, uh, and you go on a road trip. Guess who's sitting at, in the room like choir boys and waiting for bed check? The players. Who's out there eating dinner with their wives, taking a bus to like some nice steakhouse? All the coaches. Mm-hmm. The coaches are the ones who actually have to be studying. The hay is in the barn for players by Saturday night. Oh yeah. And so like it's that double standard of I gotta sit in my ha- in my house like, you know, like a church mouse. And, you know, that standard is not there for coaches, not there for other executives. It's not there for other professions because people think they kind of own players. And if I see you doing something with your time that I don't like, especially if you're talking, if you're speaking your mind, like, yeah, nah. And I just, I just knew like the way my filter is, it wouldn't have gone well. And I got annoyed towards the end of my career, quite honestly, because I was speaking on things that I, I was passionate about that my quotes would blow up and get taken out of context or would just blow up as if I'm self-important. Like everybody has a Twitter. If I tweet something about criminal justice reform and somebody finds it noteworthy and they tweet it, then all of a sudden I'm looking for attention. Well, imagine if I had a fucking podcast because my podcast wouldn't be vanilla and it would make waves because I don't give a fuck. I say what I want. Right. It's that dash. It's that teaspoon, my baby. Yeah, the teaspoon. that's that little teaspoon, dude. Got that little teaspoon there. You got a whole cup. I got a half cup in that thing. Yeah, uh-huh. No, I, I get it, dude. I, it's it's tough. The thing that is um I might have lost Taylor with that answer, but you know, go ahead. 
<laughs> hey, Taylor's like, hey, Will, let's have a conversation. You know, let's, I want to redo this season. I'm just kidding. The, uh, okay. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's so difficult for people to understand about being an NFL football player is not even just an NFL football player, any sport in general, it, the shit is hard. It's hard physically, but the mentally, that is what makes, because everybody has got so much talent. Like some guys have more talent than others, but everybody's got a lot of Chris. talent. Get Chris You're right. That's, we had this whole conversation. Did my wingspan or my athleticism there was your fucking Your genetics, yeah. man, they're different, bro. But anyway, yeah, the go The long ahead, family, dude, the long yeah. family. You just basically, you know, it's just, it's just easy. I mean, you, you're a white guy with short arms in the NFL. How easy could it be? <laughs> that button press. Look at that button press right. Yeah, Patrick know, Willis right? didn't have any genetics. I know, right? Fuck. Well, he didn't have any genetics. He had to, you know, he just he just worked way harder. Um, I'll tell you what. But anyway, the, the, the mental part of everything is, is, is something that people overlook all the time, how difficult it is to go every single week and keep a consistent trend of playing consistent and doing well and trying to get stats from a defensive lineman. That shit would be so hard to go yeah, a couple I, games without a sack and then be like, fuck, how do I get myself out of this rut? It's like a baseball player slump, bro. It's I was the thinking the same thing. thing. I used to change like things around you know, mentally, like, like OCD person territory just to like try to get sacks that had nothing to do with football. I was mm-hmm. rethinking like what side of the bed I slept on. I was like, you know, not Joe boo level shit in major right. league, but, but it is, it's hard. And if I was in one of those slumps and I had to do a podcast, it would just be bad news, man. And I'm anxious anyways. Like I'm just high strung. That would have added a lot of, of uh, bullshit to my life. No, I'm with that. I, I agree hundred percent this year. You said what? <laughs> enjoy the podcast this year. I can yeah. hear it now. You guys, lose, you guys lose one game in fucking October. Your podcast is all of a sudden going to become a distraction. Does Taylor Lewan? It's already happened. It's already happened. When I when I was when I was not on when I was not on a team and the Titans would lose, I would honestly get anxiety. Even though I wasn't even on a team, I'd be like, "Fuck, it's a tough <laughs> week. It's going to be a tough week." And yeah. I see the boy, he gets a holding penalty. I'm yelling at the fucking TV. God damn it. My podcast, Taylor, the podcast. <laughs> the, boy is, the boy is accountable. The boy is accountable in his, in his <laughs> by the way, this is the funniest thing in the world. Um, I used to fucking hate y'all, the Titans. Sure. And it wasn't like for I'm any glad you clarified the Titans. I thought it was me. I just could not stand the Titans. I think it was because Chris Johnson torched us like early in my career. And it mm-hmm. just, you know, Folsom Prison which I love. They just played it 5,700 times at Nissan, which is awesome. And it's one of those places, it's kind of like, to me, West Virginia football. I wish I had experienced it as a player somehow. I wish I lived two lives. It just seemed like they had something cool going on there. And I grew to really love what y'all have going on in Nashville. And last year, I think the key was a guy that I used to could not stand, Ryan Tannehill. So the guy I couldn't stand comes to Nashville, injects all this fucking energy into it, a team that I hate and a guy that I hate, they joined together to make me love a team. I was betting the house on you fuckers at the end of the Dude, year. Nashville hater to Titans fanboy. Bro, I was riding with y'all all the way. I love it, dude. Everyone loves that kind of story, right? No one wants to see the Patriots win or like the teams that always win. Yeah. You got a team like the Titans coming in, and everybody sleeps in the Titans. That's the craziest thing. I mean, I, for understanding, like, when I first got there in 2014. He said it's the craziest thing. I mean, there's, you know. No, then I'm like kind of like my head like, well, it's not that crazy. Because wait till you guys were wait, nine and you guys were, you guys were nine wait, and seven. 
Wait till you hear Patriots fans saying they're being slept on this year. You're going to be like, that's the crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, right? they've got a point, though, like if they're getting slept on because it's like people will – people thinking that Tom Brady is leaving – Half the people are going to think, oh, they're done. Dynasty's over. And the other half are the, you know, the Boston Hardos that are like, doesn't matter. We got Belichick. We're good. Wouldn't it be fair? I'm not going to lead you down a road. Okay. I'll go. I will. I will take this drive. Yeah. This is not green light. This is not green light. I, 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 I think it's fair. And any other team has to deal with that lowering of expectations when a hall of fame quarterback matriculates to another team or retirement. Like that's the way things are. And when you have an unproven fourth round pick and an offense that didn't have a lot of weapons, you had a defense that towards the end of the year got exposed a little bit. Listen, great defense, but not the defense that were making it seem like, you know, to me. And, um, you know, as far as stopping the run, that's why I knew when you guys played them, I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bang it. Bang it. Let me, let me get on my little website. Bang it. Let's go. Let's go. You know, throw a catfish on them, Tay. Let's go, baby. Run them over, baby. Like these are my boys, man. I'm a big Titans fan, but like, yeah, I mean, it was Rabel, your boy. He's a legend. Uh, you know, Tannehill. What, what makes, I don't disagree with you on Vrabel, but what makes Vrabel a legend from an outside looking in? Well, one, I respect him because he's a player and most players, um, don't get burned coaching. So he's very lucky to come from the Belichick tree. I'm not saying he's lucky, but I'm saying like a lot of coaches don't get that front of the line treatment. He deserved to get it. He's proven he deserved to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it is like everybody was waiting for him to fail because he came from the bill tree. He just got the job because he's Bill's guy. He's a player, you know, he's too young, whatever. And he really relates to players. You can tell he seems like a guy's guy from everything I hear about guys that play with him in new England. He just has the right amount of shit to him. And he's a WDE, essentially. I mean, like, he's, 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 a, he's a great white pass rusher uh, from back in the day. Like, there's very few of us left. And so I, I got a soft spot for Vrabes. No, I love it. No, Vrabes definitely – he's a guy's guy, man. He definitely he's – he's about the boys. He comes on the podcast. Like, when I did this oh, podcast, I was thinking – when he came on the podcast, I was like, okay. Like, I get – Vrabes is definitely a boy. Because I was worried yeah. at first when we did this thing because John – came from the, the Patriots tree. Uh, Vrabel's, they both essentially, like they, they were there at one point. And I'm thinking to myself, my ass is getting traded before we get, before that deadline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, listen. For this fucking podcast. <laughs> For Vrabel to come <laughs> on with Super Bowl. No, no, I, I would be worried. But the, the thing I like about it, again, is he breaks that mold. And the same thing with B-Flow. There's nothing wrong with the Patriot way. There's nothing wrong with, but all these coaches try to be Bill to a degree. Like, they can't escape it. Somehow, Braves or B-Flow, these guys, they're like, I'm going to be a little different. I'm going to bring some of the New England to wherever I'm going to coach. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a great thing because they know how to win up there. But I can be personality-wise a little different, and I think that's what's cool about it. Plus, you added the fucking – I like your tight end, Johnny Smith. He's a stud. He could block. I was old when we played you guys a year or two ago. But I was like, man, I, I really – he's a good blocker. Insurance policy. Out year, huh? That's an insurance policy. I was a little older when I played yeah. you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. John Smith, great by job, John. By the way, terrible comeback. That ruined my whole week, at least. Uh, you guys came back from like 20 down to beat us. But I tell you what, actually, I wanted to bring this up because I told you we were in the middle of a drive. It was the drive we won, actually. And I go past you, and I go, I don't know if you remember this. But I pat you on the ass. I go, Chris, we win this game. I'll donate $10,000 to Waterboy. You did tell me. Did you I ever- did say that. I haven't wrote a check yet. 
Yeah, you're I haven't wrote right. a check yet. Dave, Abe Lincoln here. I appreciate that check. Hey, I'll I'll send it. I swear to God, I'll send it. Yeah, I had to wait. I had to make sure we had a season first because Daddy Daddy's got some debt. But we're gonna yeah, make sure. Yeah, you got to worry season, about you got to worry about right. the season a little bit, honestly. Hey, guys, so, I don't want to um I don't want to toot my own horn, but I dropped a pick that game that made you guys settle for a field goal, and then we won the next <laughs> drive. The boy was in the game. It made he was. Play. Effect, he was butterfly effect. My problem was I really like Conklin. You could get him off his feet and like he'd move like eight feet, but he would just anchor enough at the last second. Mm-hmm. Also, we were in all these like fucked up rush situations. You guys do a really good job of like complimentary football and just staying like at it and being and being like methodical. And that really throws rushers off, you know, because you're off balance and you're just saying it's not like from a stance of you can get knocked off the ball in the run game, but when the pass shows and you're rushing an athletic quarterback, you had Marcus and now you got Tannehill. It's it's um it's a challenge. You guys got a nice little offense there, and I love that receiver. Brown? Yeah, he's a stud. Ooh, he's a dog. He's got that asshole in him too. Like he's got that attitude where it's like, give me the fucking ball. You know what I'm saying? That's what and I like. so it's like, you know, some guys might might not like that. You need guys like that, dude. You need sure. guys that are like a little cocky, a little arrogant, and a, and I, I mean that in a good way. I hope he hears this and I hope he knows I mean this. Yeah, headline, uh breaking news. Yeah. Taylor one all his uh, players arrogant and cocky. Also <laughs> Chris Long That's hates Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, it's yeah. a picture of yeah, it's a picture of AJ with those uh, what is it the those sunglasses? Dolce and Gavana. Yeah, the Dolce oh, and Gavana. I didn't want to butcher that name. I almost tried. Yeah, I got to go down and eat dinner with the kids. I just realized it's six thirty-seven p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been on this thing a while. I wanted hey, to get hey. the favorite team, favorite year, favorite like stories. Oh, okay. We didn't favorite, fucking get okay, to favorite it. Favorite year, two thousand twelve, St. Louis Rams. This is when you guys were babies. The NFL, you know, they say it was different. It was even different eight years ago. I mean, like, it was fun. Our NFC West was San Francisco with Frank Gore, Vernon Davis, uh, you know, uh, um, Delaney Walker, um, IU Potty, Goodwin, fucking Anthony Davis, Staley. It was just a fucking bloodbath. And it was Seattle, Marshawn, Tom Cable O-line. Arizona had Carson Palmer. Like it was the NFC West was murderers row. And we were that team that couldn't get over the hump, but we beat the fuck out of everybody in our division and nobody wanted to see us, but it was fun. Like we had a really good locker room. Jeff Fisher's a great coach. You guys have had Fisher on. He made everything fun. Love he made you, by the way. play for him. I know we didn't get over the hump, but I think fish gets a bad rap. Yeah. Fish is great. This is definitely good. All right, let the man go. Let the man go. No, we'll have money. He, he can maybe well, he can be a recurring say, guest. When this when this whole pandemic thing is over, you need to come on the bus. I will I come know. on the bus. I've tried getting him to Nashville quite a bit. I love and Nashville. You know, as you just heard, you don't have to twist my arm. I might come. I might come put a Titans jersey on. Sit hey, hey seven zone, baby. You know, hey, what? are we competitors? Get the drone, like a, a, a sanitizer drone, in the bus. I'm there. But done. You okay, got we that. got you. All right, hey, no are dance. we competitors? We are not competitors because of what I said earlier. Like, I, you guys probably don't compete with anybody. I don't compete with anybody. Like, because competing with somebody that would mean like, if I'm doing what I truly want to do as a podcast, and this is a serious answer, but like, then if I'm not getting listeners, that means I have to change who I am. So I'm going to do what I need to do to enjoy it. And if people like it, great. If they don't. Fuck it. Like we're all, there's enough podcasts in the world for everybody. I'm pretty sure everybody has a podcast mm. now. It's that is much. true, man. They but you guys are rolling, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are, you guys will go, we'll do a home at home. You got to come online. We'll rank some shit. I don't think anybody else has ranked anything over quarantine. I'll rank. We'll do it. Down to rank. Down to D2, D2R, S2R, send to receive.
Let's do it. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. See you.